This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the New Yorker Poetry Podcast. I'm Paul Muldoon, the poetry editor of the New Yorker magazine. And on this program, we invite poets to choose a poem from the New Yorker archive to read and talk about. And then we ask them to read one of their own poems that we've published in the magazine. And I'm delighted to say that my guest today is Lucy Brock-Broido, the recipient, uh, among others, of the Witter Binner Prize for Poetry from the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Lucy, you're very welcome. Thank you, Paul. I'm glad to be here. The poem that we're going to begin by discussing today is a poem by Franz Wright. It's a poem called Recurring Awakening. Tell me a little bit about what uh, drew your attention to this poem. First of all, I'm a big fan of Franz's work. I need to quote a blurb here that is my favorite, and that is, reading Franz right is like walking through a plate glass window on purpose. And that's the way I feel about his work. It's always so surprising. There's an element of surprise usually in walking through a plate glass window, of course, that would cover the surprise component. But to do it on purpose, what is it that one's setting out to find there? Well, in a way, when I enter a poem, what I would really want is the poem to take me in so deeply and by surprise that it could have a sign in the beginning, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Many people go to poetry, or at least they tell us they go to poetry, so that they can find hope and find solace, and you're clearly not one of those. Yes, that's true, but that's also a reason that I am drawn to Franz, because I feel he's also my opposite, in that I think there's a lot of life in his work, and I think his work reaches a broader audience because it has life-sustaining qualities in it, even though it's blackened with humor and darkness. Let's have a listen to this recurring awakening by Franz Wright, read by yourself. Anything in it that we should know about just before you embark on it? Anything that might cause us to stop at all? Or is it all pretty straightforward? Well, that's the thing about Franz is... 
he's deceptively simple and deceptively straightforward. I had to look up one word for this poem. The term ceramics is a kind of waxed cloth used to wrap the dead. Ceramics, the waxy component. Lovely, so here's recurring awakening. I stop a tall girl all in blue on the hall and receive first a harried and desultory apology, then point-blank news that you passed late last night. You passed at 3.30 in the morning. What is it? Some sort of exam? She smiles at herself. Epicenter of this revelation, I find myself walking along a high ridge in the wake of an ice storm at the heart of some annihilated fairy tale of forest in West Virginia, a red-winged blackbird's feet clenched to one crystal branch per deceased tree, eyes stitched shut and beak wide open. And finally, there it is, your face floating at my feet with nose pressed to transparent black ice. Yes, you are certainly dead. All the signs point to it. Wrapped in white cerements, white face more youthful and grave than I've ever seen it, frowning slightly as though it were reading one eye blind in a blonde swath of hair, vague smile like the velvet depression the lost diamond has left in its case. Now strangely, you are moving in a wide circle around me, stepping sideways in time to some slow, stately dance, hand in hand with the handless, in their identical absence of affect, lips moving in unison. I can't hear a thing, but it said the instant of being aware we are sleeping and the instant of waking are one and the same. And thus, against delusion, we possess this defense. Only if you refuse to respond, if I can only write you and write on black, wind-blurred water, what's the use? Recurring Awakening by Franz Wright, read there by Lucy Brock Broido. What a masterful poem. Quite extraordinary, isn't it? That moment, for example, one eye blind in a blonde swath of hair, the kind of wordplay one doesn't quite expect in this context. Exactly. There are other series of punnings that he uses in discussing death as well as the poem goes along. Even the word wake in here is a kind of speaking of death. And when he talks about, we learn that the U has, quote, passed during the night. Right. And he 
interjects, what was it, some sort of exam, as if you could fail at life? You know, there are a few moments in it that uh, I was struck by the specificity of the image, the the, ve- the smile like the velvet depression, the lost diamond has left in its case. It's not just the diamond, it's the lost diamond. His poems look like they just happened on the page. I happen to know they didn't happen, that they are rendered and wrought and well fought for. But I wanted to mention here that there are two reigning objective correlatives in the poem, and you've just chosen one of them, which is, but the vague smile like the velvet depression the diamond has left in its case, which recalls a Frank Stanford poem called Hidden Water, where he speaks of music singing to itself, quote, like someone putting a dulcimer in its case, Mm -hmm. which really sticks to your bones. I mean, what is more poignant than that? The second time that he uses such an image is we're in an annihilated tale. We're in West Virginia, and there's been an ice storm. And the ice storm has stopped everything in its tracks. It's killed everything. And he talks about the red-winged blackbird's feet clenched to one crystal branch, just a kind of death during life. Mm-hmm. It's a haunting image there in Recurring Awakening by Franz Wright, which was published in the June 6th, 2011 issue of The New Yorker. And on October 22nd, 2012, we published your own poem, Lucy Brock Broido, for a snow leopard in October. And uh, I wonder if you might uh, say a word or two about that by way of introduction and perhaps read it for us. This poem is an elegy and it's about animals. And it's really an elegy for a cat. And for me, given how I'm construed as someone who has very difficult diction and not a high degree of legibility. This is my most legible poem. And it's really simply a rumination on loss. Well, would you like to read it? I'd love to. For a snow leopard in October. Stay, little ounce, here in fleece and leaf with me in the evermore where swans trembled in the lake around our bed of hay and morning came each morning like a felt cloak billowing across the most pale day. It was the color of a steeple disappearing in an old Venetian sky or of a saint tamping the grenadine of his heavy robes before the blessing of the animals. I've heard tell of men who brought great Pyrenees, a borzoi, or some pocket mice, baskets of mourning doves beneath their wicker lids, a chameleon on a leash from the Prussian circuses and from the farthest Caucasus, 
some tundra wolves in pairs. In a meadow, I had fallen as deep in sleep as a trilobite in the red clay of the centuries. Even now, just down our winding road, I can hear the children blanketing themselves to sleep in leaves from maple trees. No bad dreams will come to them, I know, because once, in the gone ago, I was a lynx as well, safe as a tiger iris in its silt on the banks of the Euphrates, as you were. Would they take you now from me, like Leonardo's sleeve disappearing in the air? And when I woke, I could not wake you, little sphinx. I could not keep you here with me. Anywhere, I could not bear to let you go. Stay here in our clouded bed of wind and timothy with me. Lie here with me in snow. That's for a snow leopard in October read there by Lucy Brock Broido. Tell me a little bit about your process here. Do you remember how this poem began and how long did it take you to write a poem like this, for example? It began with what I call trouble in mind. It was troubled into making by grief, which I find almost impossible to transform because it's so plain, it's so simple, it's so universal. So it took a lot of time to write this poem. I'd say I worked on it for three years before I was able to untangle the personal and turn it into a kind of revelation. I assume you don't mean almost a thousand days. I mean, on and off over the period of three years, or was that every day over three years? Well, I'd love to make a joke and say that that's all I did for a thousand days. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, that's how I write, Uh is to work on something furiously for a while and then put it away and then bring it back and then put it away. I want to strive toward something that's going to last. When you say it's going to last, one of the things I'm quite interested in is the notion of the poem as a piece of construction. Can you remember any moments here while you were going through it that uh, you felt, well, actually, here I made a choice that is going to assure this poem of a chance in the world. But the word ounce itself, for example, three words into the poem, stay little ounce. I mean, it's a, let's face it, most of us don't think of that meaning of the ounce as the young civet. So you're already into a, a territory that's uh, quite hard to enter, risky territory. I don't want to let up ever in a poem. I don't want any downtime where I'm not taking a big risk. Well, Lucy Brock-Broido, thank you for transporting us here today, both with your own poem for a snow leopard in October and with the uh, Franz Wright poem 
that we heard earlier on. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Thank you, Paul. It's wonderful to talk to you. I'm Paul Muldoon, poetry editor of The New Yorker. Until next time, goodbye. You can subscribe to this free podcast in the iTunes store. You can also hear poems from the magazine read by the authors in the digital edition for tablets and phones, available at no extra charge for magazine subscribers from the App Store or from Google Play. The theme music is The Pentagree Ferryman from the album The Highlander's Farewell by Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas from Colburny Records. The New Yorker Poetry Podcast is produced by Curtis Fox Productions and NewYorker.com with help from Elizabeth Dennison. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Really excited to see... Whether I can read the Iliad again, whether I'm that literate, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) 